What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, it's good to be back with you guys for another edition. This is episode 018 of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. We're still talking about the story behind the brand. This week, we're going to be featuring a great friend of mine, a contributor in one of in, in our Business Builder Academy. Her name's Christy, Crystal Hardy, Hardy Allen. I can't even get my tongue untied here. Uh, but you're going to hear more about who she is, what she does, why she does it, and who she does it for in a second. But for right now, I want you to ponder this. Uh, in a Huffington Post blog, uh, contributing writer Flynn Coleman asked this question. He said, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is that they are more memorable than facts. What we know is that our brains are wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes help us to relate our ideas to our own experiences, providing richness and texture. Stories bring you and your listeners into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, and emotions, making us feel as though we are actually living the story. Today, we're going to continue in our series talking about the story behind the brand, and it's my honor to introduce my friend, Crystal Hardy Allen. Crystal, listen, there are a ton of things that are going on in your world, and uh, you have built an amazing brand coming from the educational space, uh, now in the consulting space, and you consult people literally all around the globe. You've grown this business exponentially in just a very short amount of time, but there's a story behind that brand. If you can, just begin to unpack a little bit about who are you, what do you do, why do you do it, who do you do it for, and how has your upbringing, I want you to take us all the way back, the little southern black girl, right, all the way back there, and I need people to understand how and why it is that you show up the way you do. Let's get it. Good morning, everyone. Um, As Glenn said, I'm Crystal Hardy Allen, and um, my story, honestly, is very centered in, you know, poverty, faith, resilience, and in a, in a lot of different ways, um, authenticity. Um, I was born and raised in historic Selma, Alabama, uh, and my parents, my dad has been a carpenter all of his life. He's also formerly incarcerated. My mom, a school bus driver, and also um, an aide in like an office aide in school environments there. Prior to that, her entire pathway was literally being a store clerk working in convenience stores um, and on the retail side of any you know place that she could find uh, work. Um, I you know was born and raised in a family that was very faith driven. We were literally going to church every single Sunday, um, involved in different auxiliaries of church, uh, 
choir, usher, <laughs> ushering the whole nine. Um, and so faith has been a very uh, central part of my DNA since I could, you know, remember. Um, but the environment that I grew up in, although it is uh, historic and powerful in terms of the memories we all have of the civil rights movement, and a lot of those elders, including folks in my family, are still alive today. So I got to see that and um, have a deep sense of racial pride and just pride in who I was at a very young age, that environment was still riddled with a lot of um, financial and economic um, disparities. So, you know, for me, I was the first in my entire family to attend, my immediate family to attend um, college when I did go. Um, my Christmas gifts every single year um, pretty much came from the Salvation Army's angel tree. For anyone who's familiar with that, my mom uh, would make sure that my brother and I had our shoe sizes, our shirt sizes, our pants sizes, etc., you know, given to that organization so that benevolent Good Samaritans and people who wanted to just be a blessing could be a blessing to us. And so I didn't necessarily grow up knowing what it was like to just go pick my own outfits, get my own shoes. It was more about uh, using or utilizing hand-me-downs and anything that, you know, we could find. Um, and so in a, in a lot of ways, um, I'm, I'm very intimately familiar with what it literally means to not have something. Um, we didn't necessarily have a one consistent house that we grew up in because we kind of house hopped. Sometimes we stayed with family. Sometimes we stayed um, in Section 8 housing options. Sometimes we stayed um, just wherever we could like find housing. And my mom pretty much uh, raised my brother and I by herself in our early years because my father was incarcerated. Um, he had a deep issue with alcoholism and that led him to drunk driving one afternoon um, in a head-on collision with someone who um, he lost his life due to that. So I have early memories of being a straight honor roll student in, in school because I love school. I love to learn um, just like I do today. Um, but at the same time, I have memories um, of being in kindergarten and being in first grade and going to a prison, a penitentiary area, and literally being patted down and, and having to be checked um, just to go see my daddy. I remember writing letters and, and at a very early age, seeing black men literally on a chain gang, um, you know, doing work outside, passing that facility and coming back home. And so for me, um, I grew up with a lot of noticings around injustices that I didn't have language for, but I always questioned everything around me. Um, my teachers saw something in me ultimately by the time I got to middle um, school that they felt that I needed to be in a different environment. Um, by the time I was in sixth and seventh grade, five of my classmates were already pregnant. And this is in a rural, small town area. Um, the high school that I was slated to go to only had a 41% graduation, high school graduation rate. And so they felt that I needed to be in a different environment. They paid my way to go three hours away from home to a STEM camp. And going to that camp for a summer, one week changed my entire life because it gave me a thirst to want to attend that school. Um, I ultimately uh, studied with hand-me-down books, the ACT college entrance exam test and scored a 21 on it in the ninth grade um, with my first 
attempt um, only to get into a residential college preparatory boarding high school. So at the age of 16, I moved away from home, three hours away from home to live on a campus with, um, you know, what would be considered like Alabama's best and brightest kids. They, you know, in order to go to that high school, teachers had to have a PhD and teach on the collegiate level for at least three years before applying. So I was put in a very academically rigorous space, but I was just also exposed to people and things that I had never experienced in my life before. And all of that led me to going to the University of Notre Dame for undergrad um, studies. Um, And so here I am as a young black girl from the deep south, finding myself in the Midwest with all of this cold (laughs) weather and a culture shock there. But it was also different for me because I didn't necessarily have people to walk me through what to do for financial aid, um, how to do anything. And so I ended up working two jobs the entire time I was in college um, to save up to get myself my first car, to get, you know, a coat, like all of those things. Notre Dame was a very great um, experience for me because they were, as a Catholic institution, even though I wasn't Catholic, very much concerned with the fact that if you can academically qualify to be here, we will take care of you. And so from my first year on down, every time that I would go home to Alabama, they paid for my um, ticket two times a year to go. They gave me a stipend to get my first ever laptop, you know, computer Um, and going through that experience um, and also having this strong sense of social justice and racial justice gave me a a choice ultimately as a college student to figure out what do I want to do next. I ultimately decided to go into the field of education and in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, decided to move to Louisiana to be a part of the rebuilding process. So worked as a teacher, worked as a school leader and really centered what would be, you know, considered culturally responsive practices for kids, you know, especially um, being black children in an urban space who needed to fall in love with who they are and get equipped with an education that would transform their life. Um, A lot of that work was documented um, in terms of me being, you know, featured by Yahoo News, um, kids, you know, taking kids to my hometown of Selma, Alabama to meet Congressman John Lewis, all that type of work was like food for the soul. At the same time, what people did not see is that I was written up in an at-will charter school environment that I was working in at the time, even though I had experience in a traditional public school, but also um, found myself leading a charter school at the time as a principal. Um, Every single time that I did things of that nature, I was written up for insubordination. I actually experienced a great deal of both interpersonal and institutional racism, Um, was in lots of ways privately punished for doing work that I felt Black children and our Black children needed. Um, All of that culminated into one day me walking into an office space to sit down for a 20-minute meeting um, where the CEO of the Charter Management Organization who also had no experience in education, very much so, um, you know, really threatened in a lot of ways by a Black woman who is sure of herself and, and very clear about what educational practice needs to be, 
she decided that I wasn't the right fit for my school, wasn't the right fit for the organization, and she actually let me go. So I was pushed out of my principalship position um, in a 20-minute conversation. And because of the at-will policies within our educational um, environment, I had no um, due diligence, no discourse, no nothing. Um, and thankfully, I had documented a lot of things that were happening to me to try to get some recourse on my own. So when I um, moved into consulting, I moved into it not by choice, but by circumstance. So being going through that experience, I had no severance. I had zero dollars and zero cents that were coming to me after that day. Um, and so I literally um, made a decision that I would never again in whatever professional work environment I found myself in, um, subject myself to being in a place that I wasn't affirmed, celebrated, um, and really valued. A mentor of mine told me, you know, you love to teach, you love to coach. That is that is consulting <laughs> because I was beginning to do it for people um, in kind and I wasn't getting paid for it. And he's like, you got to get paid for what you're doing. That led me to incorporate and start my consulting business. Um, and literally, I started from scratch. I started with no capital. I started with no business background. I had taken what I learned to do as a principal and as an employee over the years and translated that into building what is now, you know, four years in, next year will be five years, a $1 million education and, and uh, management consulting firm. Um, and so a lot of people who witnessed my story over time, they kind of, you know, really express the deep appreciation for watching it because they know when we hear the phrase getting it out of the mud, I literally have gotten it out of the mud my entire life. And I don't know anything other than working um, and trying to, to work to make a better life for myself and my family. Um, me purchasing a home, you know, a few months back was major because I now have a space to be able to house my entire family for, you know, special moments and special events. Um, but I recognize that every single time I'm doing something, I'm breaking a generational curse. And every single time I'm doing something, I'm building a generational legacy that my brothers and my family can benefit from. And so for me, my story is about overcoming adversity. It is about faith because God has been central to that. And I've always been close to the Lord. Um, even as a young child, seeing some of the things that I saw that I still haven't even named, like domestic violence, it was something that I witnessed happen over and over again between my parents when my dad got out. Um, I had nothing but the Lord to pray to in a different room, crying, being like, Lord, please ha have him stop hitting my mama. Right. And so when I translate all of that to the present day, I think about the fact and I'm getting teary eyed saying this Glenn, <laughs> in closing that God has kept me my entire life. And he's made very clear promises to me that if I'm obedient, if I submit and surrender, my life can be different and I can impact many people on the other side of what it is that I, you know, I go through. So that is my yeah. story uh, for those of you who haven't heard it before. Well, let me just say this, and I am not going to break down with you. I've been fighting back tears the entire time that you've been talking um, because I really, I, I've taken so many notes, there's so many bullet points. Um, guys, on this episode of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, I'm getting the opportunity to unpack a story that, quite frankly, I'm still learning. Uh, this is my friend, and I know a lot, and we talk a lot. But there's some things I learned today, Crystal, that just messed me all the way up. I want to talk a little bit about and go back to something. And, and the reason why I'm doing 
these kinds of talks is because I honestly believe that when we see big, impactful brands, there's often a big, very driving story behind that brand. And I think that it's when we know those stories, it gives us another level of appreciation uh, for the value that they bring to the marketplace as a business. And so when we talk a little bit about the resilience, I, I wrote down poverty, pride, shame, and guilt. Um, the teachers saw you. You mentioned that they not only saw you, but they invested in you. You also mentioned the fact that they took their own money and they did what needed to be done to position you. When you look at the work you're doing, how big of a component does that part play? And what does that look like in your day to day? Yeah, I love that. I, you know, I think about um, those teachers that I reference who invested in me being able to go to that camp. I also think about um, Sunday school teachers, you know, honestly, in church uh, and people who I looked up to, um, you know, and emulated and tried to emulate. I think that my commitment to serving and genuinely helping people comes from those experiences. My grandma was, was that type of person and is that type of person where she will give people any and everything she has, like the literal shirt off her back, you know? And so I am really dedicated to doing the same because I saw that being modeled. But quite frankly, when I think about my journey in business and the fact that like it, when we talk about this room being about bootstrapping, like I literally, literally did not get one contract like handed to me, you know, it was like authentically pitching and putting myself out there and just like building this thing over time. I always want to help people because I know what it's like to not actually have anyone help you, not have anyone share a resource, a template. And so I try to, you know, even when we think about this idea of karma, right? And recognizing that what you sow into the world, you will reap. I see God manifest blessings in my life because I'm a giver. Because I genuinely help people however I can help them. And at this point in business, now that I have a business coach, you know, now that I have a, a community of people I can connect with, I see God pouring back into me what I've given to people over time. And so I, I definitely believe there's power in that, that cycle of being committed to genuinely helping people. Right. And I also know what it means to question yourself, because some of my experiences over time made me question a lot of things like, am I good enough? Um, you know, questioning the value even of my story. You know, I used to be ashamed to like tell people, I'm like, yep, I grew up here and I live in a mobile home and I did this and I did that. I wouldn't tell people that um, when I was younger. Right. And I got to a certain point where I recognized, like, no, the reason why. I can connect with anybody. I can sit on any porch. I can walk in any rural area in any project. And I can also be in a boardroom is because that is literally my life living on two sides of a track and still doing it, you know? And so I think there's something about being um, relatable that hits me deeply in terms of the power of authenticity, because it's important that everyone feels seen. Right. Like yeah. speaking to the janitor who works in a school was important to me because my grandmother cleaned white folks houses as a living. Right. And so I know what it means to have people walk by you and not 
recognize your dignity and humanity. And so I always work to try to be opposite than, you know, press the things that I see manifesting in the world so that people can also recognize that you are valuable. You have worth. You are amazing. And God put you on this earth for a reason. Well, listen, let me just say this so that you're clear. Um, I am so grateful uh, that God not only caused our paths to cross, but that he caused our paths to connect. If you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, you know what, this person is amazing. She is. <laughs> but what's more amazing, I think, is the people that you produce. I want to talk leadership for a quick second. One of the things I know about you, uh, Crystal, is that you are a leader and you produce leaders. When you think about those teachers, Sunday school, the traditional teachers um, pouring into your life, giving of themselves, uh, you grew up to be a person like that, but not only financially, but also from a wisdom standpoint. Um, you curate experiences for people that allow them to go forth and be amazing at who they are. When you do that, my question to you really is, how does it make you feel to see that somebody took something that you gave them and they did something with it? How does that make you feel and how does that inform your brand? It actually warms my heart really deeply and it makes me smile both inside and out because in a lot of ways, you know, for me, I feel like the the best version of myself that is ever operating is a version that recognizes that all of this is for the glory of God is actually for a greater purpose that's bigger than me. And when I am walking in deep alignment to that, I understand that my um, actions and my words are literally a tool to help, like, usher someone else into freedom, into liberation, which could be mental, it can be physical for them, it can be financial, it can be emotional. Um, but I, I definitely will say that doing that, you know, work, heavily informs my brand because our work is centered on reaching both the head and the heart is why that is why the work can't be just about technical knowledge and information and transfer of resources, right. And skill building. It's also, it's also about cultivating and nurturing um, a new person on the inside of that leader of that teacher. And that provides us unique value proposition because I'll be honest with you, Glenn, the more, inner work I've done as a person and as a business owner, the more I see powerful external manifestation in my business, because I recognize as I'm getting free on the inside, the, 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 the result of that is my ability to help other people get free. I see myself in a lot of ways and I feel very deeply connected to um, our ancestors and to in particular Harriet, right? I, I think I see my work as the ability to pull other folks out. Like, come on, we, we all go into freedom. Mm. It's not just going to be me being able to say that I'm successful or I'm doing this. Like we all can do this and wherever you are, my job and my responsibility is to help you get liberated in that mm. work. And part of the liberation is helping you become more effective in your role, right? But part of it is helping you tap into what you were put on this earth to do. Mm. And that's very purpose-driven work. And I recognize amongst consultants, there are a lot of people that consult. And there are a lot of people that consult in the education space and also in the management space. But what I recognize is that there's an anointing on what happens in this business 
and what I do as a as a leader and a business owner that will always set us apart. Because in the midst of a coaching session <clears throat> or a workshop, I'm going to say a thing that the spirit leads that someone else would not say. And, and the obedience to be able to do that helps that organization come out with different outcomes that to me are really supernatural results that I just know is not coming from me. Right. And you can't get that with just information on a handout. You get that because you understand how to reach their hearts, their spirits and their minds at the same time to manifest behavioral change. You won't get that on a handout. Whew, that part. Listen, 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 listen. I know uh, we're recording this live while we sit here on Clubhouse and there are people in the audience that are baiting with I mean, sitting there with baited breath trying to get up on this stage and so we're gonna we're gonna finish out this interview and one of the things that I just want to do crystal is to say thank you again I know that I've said that a gazillion times privately and but I want to publicly say it again thank you for being you thank you for showing up thank you for being obedient thank you for never forgetting Whew. yeah that looks like something and I think that success um, creates an environment of separation in a lot of ways, and it causes you to forget. And I just want to say thank you for not forgetting. Thank you, Lynn. You know, yeah. I was, you know I've been crying, <laughs> and I am crying now, uh, too, because I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for blessings in all ways, shapes, and forms, because I can... I can remember a lot of things. I can remember literally being 11 and praying to God that I could have another pair of shoes. Right. And so when I think about the ability to not only walk into a room, into a closet and pick whatever I want to wear to go to work every day, that means something to me and it hits differently. Right. And so I, I think that it's so important to, as you said, get to know people and get to know their stories because there's there's meaning behind what people do, and there's certainly meaning uh, for me behind every single choice I make in my personal life and also in my uh, business life. But also my commitment to do the work is because I have no other choice but to do the work. Mm. With that being said, how can people get in touch with you, Crystal? And how can they find out a little bit more about Kay Allen Consultants? Yeah, I have... Um, a couple of different ways. Instagram, the Instagram profile is at the bottom of my uh, clubhouse um, profile here is at K Allen Consulting. Um, I have a personal page, which is Crystal um, H. Allen. And I also, you know, our website is kallenconsulting.org. So we'd definitely love to connect with, you know, any of you all um, who want to connect further. And thank you so much for the the DMs, the private messages I'm, I'm reading, um, which are very moving. So thank you, Glenn, for giving me the opportunity to share, you know, my story, because even doing this is like a form of like additional healing and transformation every time you get the chance to do it, you know? All facts, all facts. For those of you guys who have been tuned in for this particular episode of the story behind the brand featuring 
Crystal Hardy, Allen. We do this every Wednesday on We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. And I'm telling you right now, um, I hope and pray that this finds you when we launch this live in a place and in a space where you're willing to put in the work. At the end of the day, here's what I know to be true. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself. It's because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll see you in the next episode. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, Be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.